From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. With the Pelican season done, the question people keep asking is, should they, New Orleans, consider trading superstar Zion Williamson? What if that's the wrong question? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, what if the question is the opposite? What does Zion want right now? Because let's face it, this team has had to figure out how to play without getting anywhere near Zion being on the court ever since January. And all of a sudden, now we sit here in a world where we're trying to figure out not just what happened, why it happened, and what's going to prevent it from happening again. This is what Zion Williamson, the Pelican superstar, said about how close he is to returning to the court. Physically, I'm fine. Now it's just a matter of uh, like when I feel like Zion. Um, you know, I, I know the atmosphere I'd be entering uh, based off like the playoff experience. Uh, so now it's just a matter of when I feel like Zion. What? You're you're physically okay, but it's a matter of when you feel like Zion, and your team is competing to make to get a playoff spot, and you know what you mean to your team. So my, here's my thing though. Because it, it, it kind of throws me off a little bit, Fitz, because if he's out there in, in pregame working out, doing these windmill dunks or whatnot, and then he says physically he's okay, why the hell aren't you playing? Why aren't you out there helping your team try to secure a spot so you can play another game against the Minnesota Timberwolves to try to see who goes to the playoffs and get the eight seed? Like, I, I don't get this. And, and I don't. I know it's a mental part of the game as well, but my thing is when it comes to Zion, does he want to be in New Orleans? Because if physically, if you're ready to play and you can go out there and help your team in any, any given way in which I thought he could have helped his team last night against the Oklahoma City Thunder, why aren't you out there playing? Do you want to be there? Or do you want to be some, somewhere else? Well, and, and I'm confused about mixed messaging and something that uh, Brian Windhorst has mentioned a few times is that the Pelicans are trying to say, hey, no, he, he, he wasn't cleared even for one-on-one activity. You know, that there's no clearing. But to your point, we see these windmill dunks, and then he says, yeah. physically, I'm fine. I'm just not mentally there. Uh, that's got to be hard, not just for you to hear as a former athlete, but think about what if you're Brandon Ingram and you're CJ McCollum and you're out here just scratching and clawing with the team that you thought had a chance at being a real contender in the Western Conference, and now the superstar you needed on the court is saying, "Well, physically I'm fine. I just mentally I'm not. I'm not the Zion I need to be." It, uh, that's got to just enrage the entire locker room, doesn't it? Well, one hundred percent, and also. If the organization feels like he's not ready, even though Zion's saying he's physically ready, it's the mental part about it, why is he out there doing those drills in pregame? Is it going to hurt if he doesn't do that? In front? Why are you doing that in, front of the, in the arena in front of everybody? Right? Can, can't, can you not do that the next day? Or could, or could you not have done that early that morning in the practice facility or somewhere else? Or got there before, you know, the cameras and stuff uh, were able to get, be into the building. Could you not do that beforehand? Why are you doing it so everyone can see you doing the wheel mill dunks? And then also your teammates see you, and, and now they feel some type of way. You can't say you physically feel good, but, you, but you're not there mentally. I, probably, I guess you probably can say it. But for Zion, I, I just think it's a missed opportunity for the Pelicans, who had high hopes coming into this season. 
And I don't know. I honestly don't know if Zion Williamson wants to be in New Orleans because I'm big on body language fits. And when I see the body language of Zion, it's it's very rarely is it is that it's great, especially when he's, you know, sitting on the side and looking a little heavier than he probably should be looking at this time as well, because we know he's had those weight issues. But if he comes out and says, says, I'm physically fine. I think you need to be out there to provide something for your team. Well, this is what he said about what he doesn't want to do out there hindering his team. A little bit of a mental battle. Because, uh, you know, when I uh, re-aggravated it back in February, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it was tough. So when I go to make certain moves, there is that hesitation. Sometimes there's not, but sometimes there is. And uh, I understand the magnitude of these games coming up and I don't want to be out there hesitating or doing something that may affect my team in a bad way. He said sometimes there's hesitation. Sometimes, sometimes there's not. I'm confused. I'm going to throw my pen in the air, Fitz. I'm confused as hell. And it feels like it's like, why is this always complicated? That's what I don't like. I mean, think about it. The last time he was injured, he was training away from the team to try and work on his rehab, and we were hearing, well, it's a big deal. It's not a big deal. He doesn't need to be around everybody. He does need to be everybody. Like, how, why is this so complicated? When you are a, a multimillionaire athlete on a, a professional sports team that they banked everything on, there's going to be a system and a process to get you as healthy as possible. Either you're healthy or you're not healthy. And then if there's some element of, well, it's just the mental aspect of, I don't know if it's going to feel weird, not weird and I don't want to have hesitation. So... What are you gonna? Are you then? Is the only answer to that you're gonna wait till you feel 100? percent You feel well, like you got you got to push yourself, man. In, in, in sports, you got to push yourself, right? You got to push yourself to climb over hurdles. Fitz, I tore my, I tore everything in my knee: ACL, MCL, meniscus, bone fracture, everything. But every time I went to rehab, I pushed myself to be better. Push myself to certain limits. That's how you get comfortable. You got to keep pushing yourself. You can't you can't cage yourself because now you you are gonna be messed up mentally. So you got to start striving for things. Right. And I just thought for Zion to say he's physically uh, ready to play, uh, could could have played, but mentally he wasn't. Sometimes he's hesitant. Sometimes he's not. I'm confused. Like, what the hell do you even do with that if you're the Pelicans? And it just makes me wonder if he feels like he's got the right people around him. Like, you know this to your point. you got to push yourself. Well, sometimes pushing yourself is is being in the right environment where you feel like that's what you want to do and that's what's expected of you. And, you know, you you start thinking about the difference, especially for somebody as young as Zion. Like, there's got to be somebody that can speak to him and get through to him. That's what I I, I know I keep saying this, but that's what I thought C.J. McCollum was going to be. Like, Given his experience in the league, I thought it was a real opportunity for him to come in and say, hey, man, these are the little things you have to do. I, there was an Instagram video you and I were, were texting about earlier where J.R. Smith was talking about just his mm-hmm. growth process in the league and how when he first got in as a kid, he was looking around with all these adults and didn't feel like he fit in and didn't know what his process was supposed to be. And it wasn't until he got to Cleveland that he learned he needed to get in earlier and take better care of himself and lift differently. And he talked about that whole process. Like, somebody's got to bend your ear along the way. When you've got a superstar that's sitting there saying, well, physically I'm ready, but mentally I'm not – and you just had a play-in game, like, the hell are you supposed to do with that? But, but I'll say this, too, because I, I, I can't sit up here and say that C.J. McCollum isn't being a, a, a guy in Zion's ear. At some point, though, is Zion being the guy that's receptive to what C.J. McCollum may be saying in his ear. You great, know what I mean? great clarification, and that's, that's what I was getting. There's no chance in my mind that C.J. McCollum isn't trying to be that veteran leader in the locker room, you know what I mean? 
But yep. like at some point, you whatever it is, you got to find the special sauce. There's got to be somebody that he will listen to. The same thing that we said with Ja in some ways for for life, right? Like Ja needs to get his life right. We talked about that. Sometimes you got to have the right voices in your ear. While this is a much different situation, you still, I think, when you're growing as an athlete, you need to have the right voices in your ear. But and, but here's the thing that I love that Jr. Smith brought up in that message that we're talking about is that. When you have certain guys like a Carmelo that has that 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 been an All Star, right, and can relate one thousand percent to everything that Zion is probably going through because he is that superstar player, or Ja Morant, there's a big difference there too. So maybe the Pelicans moving forward, and also the Memphis Grizzlies moving forward, maybe they need to bring somebody in like that to be an ear for these guys. It's it's okay, and and and, and Fitz, I went through it football wise. Right. One year in 2012, we have a lot of veterans. We go to the NFC championship game and next year we get rid of most of our veterans, especially defensive wise. And we're playing with a lot of young guys and it's not that much direction. We don't even make the playoffs the following year. Right. On one side of the ball, because those veterans mean so much to a basketball team or a football team or any team. To the point, and I understand upper management and front offices, they want to get rid of guys because of money-wise, but those veterans matter for those young players, and those young players need it more than anything. Yeah, and this is going to be a wasted opportunity for Zion. they got to figure out how to get it all right. Oh, we'll keep breaking it down, but there's breaking news. Odell Beckham Jr. has been introduced as a Baltimore Raven. You know they were going to ask him about Lamar, which means he answered it. You don't want to miss what he had to say next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Free agent receiver Odell Beckham Jr. announced on Instagram that he is signing with the Baltimore Ravens. A one-year deal said to include $15 million guaranteed. If this was four years ago, that's great. In 2023, that just feels like you're aiming for the moon here with this signing. And it makes me think that you don't think that you're going to get Lamar Jackson back. It smells of desperation, especially when I look at how much money they gave him. If you were always watching us, you'd know the answer to obvious questions. Because I feel like Odell Beckham Jr. should have just gone into his press conference wearing a Fitz and Harry t-shirt saying the guys were right. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Are you doing the Michael Jackson thriller dance to this? Harry? Yeah, Is that I was. Okay. Okay. I was. <laughs> I, I, it's pretty, that's pretty, for a guy that doesn't like scary stuff, I don't know how about you, how I feel about you pulling thriller out. Like, just, just. Is Thriller too scary for you, or is that like... Oh, no, not at all. Okay. Okay, well, I'm just... I'm just, I'm just... I, I learned this very recently, that that's Michael Jackson in the background of this song with Rockwell. I, I don't know how I didn't know that. I was amazed I didn't know that when I found that out. It was like, literally, I probably found that out in the last, like, six months. I mean, it, it, it's so identifiable to his voice, and I don't know why I just always presumed it was just some random person. We also had that same conversation as we were coming in as you did. Can you pull off the Thriller dance for any song that's affiliated with Michael Jackson, or does it have to be Thriller? No, I think you can pull it out for anything. I mean, yeah, it's, I think so. It's I think I, any I, one of them, too. Yeah. Harry can. 
Oh, oh, you can. What is the discernible difference between Harry and I? We're basically well, we one it, we in the same. We, we do it for the culture. We do it for okay. the culture, Fitz. Oh, so so my culture can't do the thriller dance? Stop! Don't okay. you dare do that! Don't I, you take it there! That's you, don't, you, don't, you, don't you don't you what take it there? What I was saying was Fitz can't dance. No, well that is that is actually that that's very true. Uh, that is that is a fair point. See, I don't know why I thought it was about the culture. Uh, so Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm certain they're pl- glad I told you that right then. Uh, uh, we get big breaking news. Odell Beckham. Jr. Uh, has just spoken. All right, he just had his big press conference, his introductory press conference uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, and obviously we've spent days talking about, and we, you and I, have spent days arguing with people like Jack Darlington about what what it could possibly mean for Odell Beckham Jr. to be signed to the Ravens. Everybody keeps telling us that it must mean he knows something. Well, he was asked specifically, was he given any assurances that Lamar would be on the team? This was his response at the press conference at the podium just minutes ago didn't get any assurances for anything you know life's uncertain we don't we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow the next day uh, we only know what's happened in the past so to me it just was excited about the possibility of that you know my thoughts would be that he would be here i know that these two want him to be here you know at the end of the day that's that's going to be up to them all right so didn't get any assurances. Now, I, I know there are going to be people, people, Harry, rolling their eyes, but let's just remind the whole world the assurance he got was $15 million <laughs> fully guaranteed that could grow to $18 million. That's the assurance. Like, he can wipe his behind with dollar bills for the next year if he wants to. That's the assurance he got. Well, I think it's a great number to make a guy and a talent like Odell Beckham Jr. want to come to the Baltimore Ravens. And I, and I said this over and over again. The New York Jets weren't going to give him $15 million guaranteed in the $18 million contract in total, um, nor was he going to be a number one receiver with the Jets. That's going to be Garrett Wilson. Now he has an opportunity to, to get that $15 million, or he will get that $15 million from the from the Ravens, but also he has an opportunity to be a number one wide receiver as well. And also pairing him up with Rashad Bateman. Devin Duvernay's coming back from injury. You have the two tight ends in Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews. I think Isaiah Likely is going to have a bigger role in this offense this season too, especially with Tom Munkin being the OC, the new OC there in Baltimore. But whenever you have a guy who's coming off those two ACL injuries, right, and someone offers you $15 million guaranteed, you just play, I always feel like mm-hmm. somebody's watching me. Well, if they watching me, why in the hell wouldn't I watch myself take that $15 million? Because mm-hmm. I'm going to take it. Where's the ink pen? Because I'm going to sign it in a heartbeat. Uh, well, and I think this speaks to that. In fact, uh, obviously, everybody is continually talking about, well, you know, but what about the conversations? What about the conversations he keeps having with Lamar? He was asked about that, too. What it bring to the team and the conversations specifically he's had with Lamar Jackson? This was his response. I've talked to Lamar while he was out there, and I know um, that's a better discussion for these two as far as how that's going to get handled. The goal was, you know, to come here and, and have that possibility to play with him. And uh, I'm excited about that opportunity. As far as the team, uh, I just ready to bring leadership, ready to bring. I, I've been out for a long time. I had to sit there and watch everyone else play. And I'm just excited to get back on the field, you know. And it's good to be where you're wanted. Um, and, you know, like we said, we've had communication since last October. And, you know, you guys showed me that you wanted me to be here and that I was going to be a very big piece uh, to this organization. So I'm definitely excited about that. Now, I got to say this, Fitz, because I wouldn't, it wouldn't be right if I did. Now, even if 
you know, Odell Beckham Jr. had these conversations with Lamar Jackson, which I don't think Lamar Jackson told him 100% everything that he's going to do because why would he do that in the last two years? He hasn't did that at any point, right? But even if they did, now, Odell Beckham Jr. has some nice media training because he can't get up there and state those things in no damn press conference either. Anyway, I feel like, and again, I'll use this very specific example. If tomorrow ESPN's like, thanks, Fitz, see you later, you're fired. Well, if Harry Douglas turns around the, the day after and signs a huge multi-million dollar contract to be with ESPN, what are we going to do? We're going to celebrate. Party, boss. We're going to celebrate. Why? Because right. we're friends. Uh, when you love each other, you celebrate each other. When you support each other. And I think what a lot of people forget is the camaraderie, the brotherhood for people that play in the league, right? Like, so when you've got a buddy that played in the league, that's playing in the league, that's part of the fraternity of guys that are making it in the NFL, and you're close with one of them and they sign a huge contract, I don't think any of my issues matter in this. If I'm Lamar Jackson and my buddy just got $15 million fully guaranteed from, from the team, like, look, maybe that means we play together. That'd be mm-hmm. awesome. We probably have that conversation over a couple of drinks, right? Uh, but also... Like, what's what's OBJ going to say to Lamar? Man, I got mine. You need to go get yours. Like, I, the, the number of players that I talk to all the time, you included, that understand that at the end of the day, it's a business. Like, if y'all mm-hmm. understand that in front of a microphone, you understand that when you're talking friend to friend. And we're sitting here trying to make an Instagram post mean something bigger than business. But when it's how you support your family and you feel like you know what your worth is, I don't think any Instagram FaceTime video partying at the club is more important than what we've actually heard from Lamar, which is I know my value and I want my value. Well, I will say this, right? Being a former player, um, you, you want to see guys, especially guys that you know, get as much money as possible. And I remember when, when one of my closest friends and my brother from another mother, Roddy White, was holding out with the Atlanta Falcons. And he said, hey, little bro, it's, it's not personal. You know, I said, bro, you don't have to explain yourself to me. You're doing what's, what's in the best interest for your family and the future of you and your family moving forward. It's, I know it's not personal. And I went on to training camp, you know, took the reps that would have been his if, if, he would have, if he would have been there. And eventually the Atlanta Falcons gave him his money. But guys, know it's, it's not personal. If Lamar Jackson isn't there, he has to do what's best for him as an individual and also for his family moving forward. Well, Eric DaCosta is the Ravens general manager. And at this press conference that has just broken in the last few minutes, this is all new. Uh, he said this about why, because so many people keep saying, why did they pay so much to Odell? This is what Eric DaCosta, the GM, said about why they gave him that big uh, contract coming off of an injury. This is a player that we've played against many times. And, um, you know, that's what we do for a living. We talk to people. We evaluate the player. We have a lot of information. Where we are as a team right now, this was the guy that we felt could help take us to the next level. We saw him, his last game that he played in, quite honestly, he was probably the best player on the field. We've had lots of players come back from this type of injury and flourish over time. Again, all very logical and real explanations, Harry. Like, it's all yeah. like we can look at all this in a vacuum and it makes sense. I think the biggest thing for Odell is being able to have an entire season without playing and, you know, to heal properly. I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to an ACL. I'm speaking from experience. Mm. I know I've been through it because I tore my ACL right with Odell Beckham Jr. Not at the same time, but I have went through it. And I think one of the, the best things that he, that he did for his life was sitting out the entire season and not coming back and trying to play, especially in the playoffs, and giving his knee that extra time to heal so now he can go out there in Baltimore and be the best version of himself and not have that, you know, 
you know, setback that he probably had in the Super Bowl because things probably wasn't properly healed at that time. Every single time DaCosta speaks, he gets asked about Lamar. This is what he just said about their plans and Lamar. Well, I have not talked to Lamar since the signing. There's been interaction along the way. You know, Lamar is in our plans. We love Lamar. Our feelings about Lamar have not changed one bit since the end of the season. We're hopeful still that we'll get a long-term deal done. He's the right player for this team to lead us to where we want to be. I think the locker room knows that. The organization knows that. I think the fan base knows that. So it's ongoing. But I can't think of a situation where we wouldn't think that our best team is with Lamar Jackson on the team in September. Show me the money. Don't talk about it. Show me the money. Don't talk about it. Be about it. That's what we say down south. Don't talk about it, baby. Be about it. Well, he'll have the opportunity to continue to do both over the course of uh, the next few weeks because this isn't going anywhere. We'll get you more breaking developments as we get them from the Ravens and their press conference. Plus, a three-time Super Bowl champion weighs in on all of it and tells us why he thinks the Cowboys are not even part of the Super Bowl conversation. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Lamar Jackson has not yet signed any sort of a record-setting deal with the Ravens. But Odell Beckham Jr. certainly got paid. The question is, what's that mean, if anything, for Lamar? A question we've been answering on this show for weeks. Nobody wants to hear the answer. And now we've heard from OJ, OBJ himself. Maybe he's making it clear. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Teddy Bruski, ESPN NFL analyst, going to join us. And Teddy, I want you to hear this. This is what Odell Beckham Jr. just said when he was asked specifically about any assurances he got from Lamar before signing his contract. This is what how he answered the question. Didn't get any assurances for anything. You know, life's uncertain. We don't we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day. Uh, we only know what's happened in the past. So to me, it just was excited about the possibility of that. You know, my thoughts would be that he would be here. I know that these two want him to be here. You know, at the end of the day, that's that's going to be up to them. All right, Teddy, you buying that? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's. I mean, he doesn't know if Lamar is going to be there or not. I mean, it's. He got the the best possible deal he could, and it just so happens it was the Baltimore Ravens. And you know, it's it, it's it's a, sort of icing a cherry on top. If yeah, Lamar and I have a relationship. Then he mentions the uh, the good offensive line, the defense, but it was about the contract. Right. And that's OK. That's OK, because it's just about business. There's a huge business aspect of this game that Odell knows there is. His agent knows there is. He got the 15 million dollar deal that can go to 18 million dollars from the Baltimore Ravens. You go out and shop it. You see if the Chiefs will match it. You see if the Jets will match it. If not, OK, I'm going to Baltimore. That's just the way it goes. He's won a championship, but he he's just ready to play. Now, what I heard also in that press conference when I when I listened to about five to ten minutes of the beginning there is still how hungry this player is. I mean, he took last year off, and he knows that he was on his way to possibly being the Super Bowl MVP. So Eric DaCosta said he sat across from him in Arizona, and he says, man, this is the, this is the guy we need for our team. And I agree because – 
all of those, I mean, watching Odell when he was a young player, mature to what he is now. He can relate to young players. He can relate to players that are coming back from an injury. He's a champion. He's a veteran player now. So it's like you brought in a leader, and how can it not get someone like Lamar Jackson excited to play? It's obvious that I think it would. Well, I I would say this, Teddy. When I look at um, Odell Beckham Jr., you talk about a guy – who's a, a, just a complete dog on the football field that understands the game, and he's going to give 110% every time that he's out there. He's never going to cheat the game, right, especially in today's era. Like, you have some people to try to cut corners. That's yeah. not Odell Beckham Jr. But having him in a receiver room that hasn't been good three of the last four years, I think it's going to be phenomenal for the Baltimore Ravens, whether they have Lamar Jackson or not, because Odell has been through so much, and like you mentioned, can help these guys tremendously in a lot of different areas. Yeah, I'd rather see Lamar Jackson with him, Harry. <laughs> oh, of much. course. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's still that makes a man. How man? I can't wait to see it because I just said, how many games is it going to be for fellas? Okay, I mean, let's do they come? What is Lamar like in September? What game is Lamar playing in terms of I'm not ready? You know, I still got to get my I got to get my legs underneath me. Is he does he roll into the season? When does he sign the franchise tag? It, I don't know what kind of business that there still has to go on, but there's a huge element of the Ravens' success this season that's based on business the business of the quarterback and having him happy with his deal. Because if he's not, and he goes through September and October, sort of just starting slow and then getting into it and you get going and you see those games where it's just, is it, is it a tease where it's Lamar, it's Odell, it's Andrews. I know they got Bateman, JK Dobbins, all these guys. It looks great. Lamar gets a little bit, you know, a little bit of a nick, and it's like, okay, I got to make sure I'm 100% before I come back, and it's three to four games. That's what I'm curious about, what the dynamics are going to be if Lamar still has to go back and play on the franchise tag. Where is he in his headspace? That's, that's, that's a big thing for me. We're talking to Teddy Bruschi, ESPN NFL analyst on Fitz and Harry. And, Teddy, I knew right where you were in your headspace this morning watching on Get Up. There was a list out there that Nink made of the quarterbacks on the hot seat to make the Super Bowl. I thought you were going to go full WWE from the 80s, pick up your chair and throw it at somebody. Like, you were not pleased with any of this list. Uh, For anyone that didn't see it, Nink put Rodgers 1, Dak 2, Allen 3, Burrow 4, and Lamar 5. You would have Joe Burrow much higher on the list. Why? I put Burrow at number one because I think he feels he feels the pressure of Patrick Mahomes winning his second. And Burrow, I just know the mentality of guys like that. His his mentality is very similar similar when it comes to winning football games to when I played with Brady. So he doesn't just want that first. He gets that first championship. He's already thinking about the second because he knows there's Mahomes out there. So it is on Joe Burrow's mind to get that first one out of the way. And I think he knows that pressure's there and he feels it and he wants it so bad because with these young kids now, they've seen the multiple championships that that's what really gets you from, you know, who have they seen? They've seen LeBron. They've seen Brady, and they want to get it going to where they get two, they get three, Mahomes is on his way, and that's why I put Burrow up there because he wants that first one bad. 
And Teddy, I'm going to be funny right here. I, I know you're very fond of Dak Prescott being number two on the list. What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I gave Minka, I gave Minka a hard time because it's like to, to be on the hot seat to get to or win a Super Bowl is like you, you got to have realistic expectations. And really my realistic expectations for the Cowboys aren't to be in Super Bowl contention. I just really like to see them, you know, competent in the playoffs. And in those last two minutes when it has to be Dak Prescott and they're in a situation where they can win a football game, like over the last two seasons in the playoffs, to competently execute a drive when a championship is on the line and then, boom, you advance. It's not about winning one wild card game and then getting bounced in the divisional. And can you imagine the pressure that Dak would feel and the Dallas Cowboys would feel if by any chance they make the NFC championship game? It's like, I don't know if they'd be able to handle that. There's so much that has to go to win a wild card, a divisional, then an NFC championship, because even in their division, I don't see them getting a bye. They're going to have to play that first round because Philly's there. The Giants are going to be better. So it's just that I've just got lower expectations for Dak and the Cowboys than Rob Ninkovich. Teddy, all I know is that, don't tell Rob I said this, but like you versus Nink, uh, Battle Royale, my money's on you, buddy. Like, I, you know, I think, I think you <laughs> I'm going off the top rope. Now, now, Give me Superfly Snooker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, now I need this in my life. Teddy, appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Appreciate it, fellas, always. S- someday this summer, we're going to just do a show where we decide which analyst and person from ESPN would be which vintage WWE wrestler. Okay, Ooh. are the Cowboys not even a Super Bowl contender? We'll get Harry's thoughts next, but n- n- that's it. Not, But first, anything. We'll just get Harry's thoughts next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Are the Cowboys not even Super Bowl contenders? We'll answer that. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. But we start with some breaking news. This just in. The Washington Commanders, owner Dan and Tanya Snyder, uh, Snyder, are near a deal to sell the storied NFL franchises, sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter on Thursday. No deal yet, sources tell ESPN, and any agreement still has to be submitted and approved by league owners. The group led by Josh Harris continues to be optimistic it will land the commanders, and many believe that group is the favorite. But Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos and his family are still in the mix with one source telling ESPN that it's a, quote, head-to-head race. Now, the most important thing here is that I didn't know I was going to have to read Steve's name, and I just did that effortlessly. So I'm going to need him to buy this team because I feel like I've really started to nail this last name. (laughs) But the other side of this is that it looks like from this report that uh, they are near a deal. It looks like it's all but done at this point. Dan and Tanya Snyder will no longer own the Washington Commanders. Uh, Significant, Harry, for a franchise that's been through more negative press than positive for the last several years. Yeah, just another step in the process to getting new ownership and seeing, you know, what the Washington Commanders can be under that new ownership. I think, you know, when you look at this team and all the things that have clouded it the last, I'll say, few years or even more than that, I think it, it, it was it was needed. I think it's time, and I'm really looking forward to the next steps in this process. Well, and this was also one of the variables I think we had to have in mind when we talked about 
uh, future landing spots for Lamar. We see it a lot mm-hmm. where an ownership group will come in, they take over a team, and they want to make a splash. They want to show you that culturally things are different. They want to make a a statement, right? So there's an opportunity for an ownership group to come in and still make a statement. That's one thing that we have to remember, that nothing is done yet on Lamar that says that he couldn't uh, not even leave his house and just go join another football team. So I do think it's interesting because at the very least, it presents another group that may be in consideration for Lamar and be willing to pay whatever it takes because the commanders are a very good roster that lacks any answer at quarter. I mean, any. I'm not going to take yeah. Sam Howell as an answer at quarterback. So just sit down, shut up, color in your book if you're trying to tell me it's Sam Howell. Like, well, they have well, no Fitz, answer. What's the, the owner for the Phoenix Suns? What's his name again? The new owner? Oh, uh, the Michigan State guy. Um, it, I'll look Matt up. Ishbia. Thank, well, thank well he became the owner and made a splash instantly, right? Bringing mm-hmm. it, bringing over Kevin Durant. And now you see the Phoenix Suns in a situation where a lot of people are picking them to come out of the Western Conference. If you have this new ownership group coming in, coming to the uh, Washington Commanders and you make a play for a guy like Lamar Jackson, you're making that splash. Now you look at all the other pieces that they have around them uh, from an offensive standpoint and also defensively. You feel pretty good in the NFC East, a division that has a staple quarterback for each one of those teams. You look at Jalen Hurts, you look at Dak Prescott, you look at Daniel Jones for the Giants as well. You're the only team in that division that doesn't have a quarterback that has had a ton of reps at that position that the organization 1,000% believe in because I don't care what anybody says. You can't sit up here and tell me that the Washington Commanders just believe in Sam Howell that much and they aren't a little bit nervous with a second-year guy who didn't get that many reps in his first year taking over that organization from the quarterback position. Yeah, even uh, I'll add one other portion of this, as we've told you so many times, but I will continue to tell you over and over and over again. Every single pick of the NFL draft will be covered on ESPN Radio. Kenny and Carlin going to do a great job with the huge crew there. But Harry and I will be on all your digital platforms. The ESPN app uh, will be in Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook, all of those places. It's me, it's Harry, it's Field Yates, it's Spencer Hall, it's Andrew Hawkins, it's Harry Lyles. Like we got a massive team breaking down the draft. You can't tell me that when you're starting to talk about things like ownership, Washington right now has the 16th pick in the first round of the draft. This becomes a wild variable. If they can get this approved before the draft, now the owners can sit in with the organization and say, here's the cost we're willing to be aggressive on. Here's what we want for the team. Here's what we see as a long-term approach. I mean, all of these things become urgent matters for Washington because we are a week and a half away from the NFL draft. They are trying to negotiate for a new stadium, and they don't have a quarterback. Like, There's a lot for owners to check off in very little time if and when this deal is actually 100% complete. Yes, I think that also, you know, regaining their respect across the world as an organization and also the potential of getting a new stadium there because I think the Washington Commanders definitely need one. Yeah, that that is a huge initiative for them and a huge debate on placement of the stadium. Let's not forget that, uh, as you well know, you've been up to the D.C. area how many times now going, for the XFL? Going, going, going on Friday. Yeah, I'll be I right mean, there Friday. As you well know, there are there's a ton of conversation about the fact that they could put that stadium in Virginia, they could put it in D.C. These are all things owners are going to have to figure out while they figure out how to build their roster. You and I have figured out, and we still agree, even after hearing uh, that Nink put all this pressure on Dak Prescott, we just talked to Teddy Bruschi, who said the Cowboys are not part of the playoff conversation. You and I, well, Super Bowl conversation, I should say. You and I agree with that, right? Like, I don't think there's some weird Super Bowl pressure on Dak, even though he's the Cowboys quarterback, because I don't think most people just expect them to waltz into the Super Bowl. 
No, I think it's two teams that can actually stop them for doing that, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles, who still have their base player intact as, as long as uh, along with their quarterback, and also the San Francisco 49ers. And the way their defense play and the way Kyle Shanahan uh, was able to keep that team in contention after losing quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. And here's the thing about San Francisco, right? They started slow the last two years, Fitz. Last year they started three and, uh, three and four, won 12 in a row. So if they start slow this season, I'm still not worried about them. In 2021, the San Francisco 49ers started three and five and went on in the last 11 games to, to go nine and two. So even if San Fran starts slow, I still believe in them. If Dallas starts that way, I don't know so much. But the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers are the two teams in my mind at, at today at, at this time right now that I feel more confident about going uh, coming out of the NFC. Well, I think it's interesting because when you talk about these pressure quarterbacks on the hot seat to make the Super Bowl list, to me, it has to be a very simple, is this team expected to be there? Like expected, yep. right? So I understand yep. why Nink had Aaron Rodgers at number one because if, if the Jets are going to go through all this and we're going to talk about this damn nonsense every single day, then there's pressure, right? Like I'm in for that. Like I understand Josh Allen because the, the Bills I got him at number close. two. Yeah, I, I got Josh Allen at number two. I would agree with behind you. Aaron Rodgers. I would agree with you on that all day. I don't put Dak in that category because, frankly, I just nope. don't think that there's that that inherent pressure on on Dallas. And, and in fact, I see Joe Burrow is on Ninkovich's list. Joe's like Joe Burrow could lose in the AFC divisional round in the wild card round. He's still superhuman in in Cincinnati. I don't think there's anywhere <laughs> near like he he is so beloved. He's done things that we're not used to seeing for that franchise, and he hasn't ever been the reason they've lost games. So I don't think there's any pressure on Burrow. I think it's remarkable how little Super Bowl pressure there are on most of the quarterbacks this year. No, I agree with you 1,000% fits. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always worth keeping an eye on, obviously. We will continue to keep an eye on the breaking Washington Commanders news. We'll let you know if we get any updates on that. However, through the course of the day, we also had the chaos known as a press conference for the Baltimore Ravens and Odell Beckham Jr. Raises a lot of questions. We got some clarity on how OBJ's deal with the Ravens impacts Lamar Jackson. But did OBJ let us know something else when it comes to Aaron Rodgers? Hmm. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 